So here's what we've been doing. We've been looking in the book of John, and we've been studying this thesis that John laid out the very first verse in John. How many of you know what the very first verse of John says, the gospel of John? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. And so here's the thesis. Jesus is God. And so John spends the rest of the book laying out the support and the credibility of that claim for us to believe and to, to really... And it's not because we can just say, oh yeah, I believe he's the, the, the son of God or, or God. No, because if this is true about Jesus, then guess what? If you have an encounter with him, if you have a relationship with him, it'll transform your life. Can I get an amen this morning? Has anybody been transformed by the power of Jesus? And so we're in this series... Uh, in the book of John, we've been studying the I am statements of Christ because those I am statements are real important. Every time he makes the statement, I am something, you know what he's claiming? He's claiming to be God. And so we looked at week one, we looked, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that Jesus is the only way to a relationship with God. He said it plainly. Week two, we said he's the bread of life, that Everything that you need, everything that you're hungry for, everything that you desire can be found in a relationship with Jesus. And that's what he said. Come to me and I'll feed you. It'll be a, there's a spiritual hunger, right? A spiritual thirst that we all have. Christ fulfills all of that. Amen. And then uh, week three, Ron uh, Yutzi did a fantastic job talking about him being the light of the world, that when he shines the light on something, darkness has to flee, amen? And the grace of God that is free for you, true for you, can, can really change you and transform your life. Then last week, we actually looked at two. We looked at, I'm the gate for the sheep, and I'm the, 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 the good shepherd. And so we talked about him laying his life down for the sheep, being, giving provision and protection. But most of all, I think the beauty of all of this is... That he said, you are my prized possession. A good shepherd looks at his sheep as his prized possession. How many of you know that God feels that way about you? Turn to your neighbor and say, God thinks you, he's your prized possession. You're his prized possession. Tell him. Tell him. They're his prized possession. How many of you really believe that this morning? So we're going to culminate this series today in red letters talking about uh, the I am statement where Jesus tells his, well, he tells his be, some of his best friends, I am the resurrection and the life. On a resurrection Sunday, what a beautiful thing for Jesus to say about himself, I am the resurrection and the life. Are you ready? How many of you are ready? Let's lean in. John chapter 11, let's read this together and let's open up God's word. Lord, thank you for your word today. Verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. Verse 2. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. Notice that. All right? So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mar Mar Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, watch what he does. He stayed where he was for the next two days. Isn't that interesting? 
So can, I, can we just talk just for a minute about, about Lazarus and Mary and Martha, their friendship with Jesus? They were close friends. As a matter of fact, there were times in Jesus' ministry where he wanted to kind of relax and unwind. He would go to their house and kind of spend some, he would hang out with Mary, Martha, and, Jesus, and uh, Lazarus. Now, here's what I draw from that. We're talking about the, 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 the Son of God, the one who created the worlds. He can have relationships with his creation. Isn't that great this morning? What does that say about you and I? That Jesus is no respecter of persons. He wants to have a relationship with you just like he did Martha, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Very practical, right? But notice what he did. He, 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 he gets a letter. And I, can you imagine the tone of this letter from Mary and Martha? Jesus! Your friend, your close friend is sick. What are they expecting him to do? They're expecting this letter to prompt him to urgently pick up everything, drop everything he's doing and run to Lazarus to heal him. They have an expectation of Jesus in that moment, don't they? But what does Jesus choose to do? Does he come running? No, here's what he does. He waits a few more days. Why is he waiting? Because he has something bigger than a healing in mind. Folks, he has a resurrection in mind. That's huge. And so he decides, even though, and I love the way they said that, even though he loved them, he decided to wait. So hold on to that. I, want to, I just want to unpack that just in a few minutes. But I want us to keep reading. And I want you to lean into this, this fact that Jesus has something bigger and better in mind than Martha Mary or, La or Mar and Martha ever even have even dreamed of. So let's keep reading. Finally, he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Verse 8. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? So if you remember last week in, in chapter 10, we talked about the fact that, that Jesus, they're trying to stone him because they're accusing him of blasphemy, right? And so he gets, he gets the heck out of Dodge, right? He's, he leaves. And so his disciples are puzzled that he's coming back to the place where he was, his life was threatened. Of course... He's planning on dying, right, later on. And the disciples think that this is, maybe this is the moment. But he's saying, you know, not yet, not yet. So let's keep reading. Jesus replied, there are 12 day hours of daylight every day during the day, but people can even walk safely. They can see because they have the light of the world, verse 10. But at night there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Verse 11, then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but now I will go and wake him up. So they're still misunderstanding what's happening. Watch what they say. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. And so he tells them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Guys, in case you don't realize, he's not just sleeping, he's dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad it wasn't that we, I wasn't there for, for now you will really believe, come, let's go see him. So can you imagine, anybody like Star Wars in here? Any Star Wars fans? So, so can you imagine uh, Jesus, the master, right? He's got his Padawans around him, right? And he's saying, great Padawans, pay attention, lean in close, 
Because what I'm about to do is going to blow your mind. I'm not just about to heal somebody. No, there's going to be a resurrection coming. Amen. And so here he is. This, this Jesus who claims to be God, who says he's God, is about to do something beyond our comprehension. Let's keep reading. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with you. See, they think that they're about to die. He's about to die. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. So it's already been enough time where people are showing up to console them in their grief, right? And Jesus, go, go back, I'm, I'm sorry, there we go. When Martha got the word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Now watch what she says. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. So can you picture this, right? So they send the letter. And their, their expectation is Jesus is going to come running and heal Lazarus before he dies. But then day one comes and he doesn't show up. Day two, he doesn't show up. And then they watch, painfully watch, as the brother that they love dearly, that they know Jesus loves dearly, takes his last breath. Has anybody ever watched anybody die before? It's not a pretty sight. When they're taking their last breath, there's, there's a lot of struggle involved. There's a lot of gasping involved in those last breaths. And can you imagine Mary and Martha's heart being ripped out of their chest because they watched their brother not only get sick, but die? And can you imagine the disillusionment? Wait a minute. I thought Jesus was our friend. I thought he loved Lazarus. So can you imagine when she sees Jesus coming down the road, it, it isn't this, oh, Jesus, I'm so glad to see you. What would it be? Pounding on his chest. Where were you? If you would have only been here, our brother, the one you love, would not have died. And so they're disillusioned. But little did they know what Jesus had in mind. So I want to ask you a question. Has there ever been a moment in your life where you were praying for something? Or you had an expectation that God was going to do something and it didn't turn out the way you thought it would? Am I the only one? What was your response? What kind of emotions were you feeling in that moment? Maybe some of you did the same thing. You're shaking your fist at God. Why God? Why did you allow this to happen to me? Or why didn't you show up on time? And God's saying, hold on. Hold on. So the, another question is, what do you do in the waiting? When you've been praying and you feel like the answer's coming, but not yet, what do you do? Here's what you do. You get to know the one who created the stars. You get to know him. You learn how to trust him. You learn to love him. You, you dig into his word and say, you know what? All his promises are yes and amen. That he is faithful. That he's, not, that he's never late. How many of you know God's never late? Now some of you think, maybe you're saying he's never on time. But, but see, here's the truth. He doesn't work on your timetable. He works on his timetable. 
Amen. And so when you're disillusioned and you're not sure what, what's going on or, or what, how things are going to turn out, what you have to do, you have to come to the conclusion where you're going to trust his heart. You have to trust love for you. And so here's what I'll say. Instead of viewing the love of God through your circumstances, why don't you view your circumstances through the love of God? Does that make sense to everybody? In other words, don't interpret what's going on around you and say, you know what, God doesn't love me because this hasn't happened. No, say, you know what, God loves me, and so whatever he's allowing to happen in my life, I know it's for my own good. And he never said, he never said everything's going to be good all the time. He never said that. He never made that promise to you. As a matter of fact, here's what he said. In this world, you'll have tribulation. Be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. And so if you will filter the circumstances through the love that Christ has for you, and you'll know that sometimes maybe he doesn't line up to my expectations because he's up, he's up to something bigger. He's not just up to a healing. He's up to a resurrection. Well, that ought to preach. Amen. So my question is, what does God want to resurrect in your life today? Is there something that's dead in you today that God wants to resurrect? Can we keep reading? Jesus told her, your brother will see, will rise again. Yes, Martha said. He will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. She still doesn't get it, does she? Now watch what he says. Here's the declaration. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Let that sink in just for a second. Verse 26, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. So you notice here that Jesus is making a statement about himself. And here's what I think he's really saying, okay? He said, he's not saying, I don't just do resurrections. I am. Resurrection. In other words, if you'll just come to me, if you'll just place your faith in me, I'll give you a life you never imagined. I'll breathe life into your old dead life. I'll bring it to life. Amen. Does anybody believe that today? That this is who Christ is and not just what he does. And then he, because he says, I am the resurrection and the life. So what's he have in store for you? He has life in store for you. And some of you think, well, yeah. And like, like Martha, yeah, one day. You know, when I, when I die, yeah, one day. But you know what? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I've come to give you life now. April 4th, 2021, I've come to give you life now. Is God going to give you eternal life in the future? Yes. Right? But he's gonna, he, he wants to give you life. He wants to speak life into you right now. You know, the life that we're talking about It's, it's, it's a life that it's not mostly, it's not just physical, right? How many of you believe you're, how many of you know you're not just a physical being, right? I mean, we're all going to have this appointment with death. In case you hadn't realized, everybody has that appointment. You cannot escape that appointment. So that's when your physical body decays and goes back to the grave. But the real you, your soul, and your spirit live forever. 
And so what God is saying to you, yes, you're going to die one day. This, this body's going to decay. But the real live you, you is going to live forever. But you can have it now. Watch what Jesus said in John 17, 3. Because eternal life can start. It can start for you today. Watch this. And this is the way to have eternal life. To give in offerings. To help women down, uh, old women across the street. What is it? To know you, the only, the, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you, you've sent. How do you obtain eternal life? Get to know the one who is life. And it's simple. Watch what he says to her and to these people. Watch this. Watch this, this last part. Watch this. Verse 38. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Verse 39. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. I love what the King James Version says. Anybody know what it says? He's stinking. Does anybody talk like that anymore? He's stinking. You understand, folks, this dead life that, that, you, that you're in, your existence before Jesus, stinks. Why? Because you're dead. Dead things stink. Dead things decay. Amen. Now, you, you may say, well, pastor, my life's never been better. Well, you know what? In, in the outside... On the surface, maybe it looks good, but I'm here to tell you, there's a longing in your heart that will not be filled other than Jesus Christ. You can make all the money in the world. You can climb the ladder of success, but I'm here to tell you right now, your life is, there's nothing to your life unless you have Christ in it. And so he wants to bring this stench of death. He wants to clear that out, right? But there's a, there's a key to this. He kept saying to Martha, if you'll just... Believe. Believe. Jesus said in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. John 1, 12. We have this opportunity to believe and become the sons and daughters of God. So there's a reality to this. It's not what you do. It's not how much work you do. It's not what you do. It's what Christ has done at the cross and you believing in it. Amen? And so if your life stinks, if your life stinketh, God's saying, even as you're leaving the building today, as you're walking out the door, you can make that statement. I've walked, I've passed from death to life. Isn't that beautiful? This is what Christ offers you today. And he's not a respecter of persons. Let's keep reading. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so they will believe you sent me. Do you, you see what he's doing? He's continuing to validate his own claim. And so he's showing us. He's, he's giving us a pattern. 
What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to look to God, right? We're supposed to trust in the Lord with all our heart, right? And so what he's doing, he's giving us an example to follow. Jesus himself saw the importance of saying, God, get the glory. Right? And then he says, watch what he says here. Then Jesus, he didn't just, hey, Lazarus, come on out. What did he do? Shouted, Lazarus, come out. Now, here's what I believe. I believe that he had to say Lazarus. Because had he not said Lazarus, everybody around them, all the dead people who, came, who, who heard it would come out. Amen. And so the last verse there says, if they'll put it up for me. And the dead men came, the dead men came out, his hands and feet bound in, in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, watch this, unwrap him and let him go. So he, Jesus speaks into this dead man after four days. There's no question this guy's dead, right? Everybody knows he's dead. So there's no chance that he was just, you know, resting. No, he's dead. He's already stinking. And Jesus says to him, come out. Now, there's, I think there's a principle here that you can understand about your own life. If you're dead in your trespasses and your sins, if you're spiritually dead, you're bound up. Right? The old clothes, the, the dead clothes. Can you picture, anybody ever watched any of the mummy movies? You can picture Lazarus coming out like that. And Jesus saying, look, that's not the right clothes for you. Those clothes have you bound up. Those clothes represent your past. Come on, somebody. So what God wants to do, what Christ wants to do, he wants to rid you of your old clothes. He wants to rid you of your past. He wants to rid you of addictions. He wants to rid you of relationships that are going south. He wants to rid you of financial struggles. What does he want to do? He wants to speak life into your life today. Amen. And that's what he can do. Because here's what the Bible says about it. When we, when we believe on Christ, we trust his finished work on the cross. We are clothed in new clothes. You realize that, right? It's no longer my righteousness. Because my righteousness are like those old filthy dead rags, right? No, my righteousness is his righteousness. I put on the righteousness of Christ. I put on new life. So, I love how Paul paints this picture of our before and after, right? Watch what he says in Ephesians. Let's read this together. That even though we were. Say it loud. What is, what is dead? It's dead. Lifeless. Right? Stinking. Stinking. And though we were dead because of our sins. He gave us life when? When was it? When he raised Christ from the dead. You see the significance, how we pass from death to life. Why it was important that Jesus walk out of the tomb. Because it was necessary for you to, to walk out of your dead life for Christ to walk out of the tomb. And so the validation of, of Christ being God wasn't, it was part of it was bringing Lazarus out of the tomb. But the biggest validation is his own resurrection. Because a few days later, we, we talked about it last week. Jesus 
in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And they're waving branches and they're laying their clothes at his feet. He's coming in on the donkey and they're singing, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then a few days later, these same people are saying, crucify him on Friday. And something happens. The moment he says it is finished, what happened? The limited access that you had to God, the limited relationship with God changed forever. Now, you don't have to wait for a priest. You don't have to go to a priest. You can go to God on your own 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you can have this close personal relationship like Jesus had with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. All because Jesus said it is finished. But he wasn't done. Amen. He went, they, they put him in the tomb. But on Sunday morning, something else happened. A significant event happened. This same Jesus that said, I'm the resurrection and the life, walked out of the tomb. And what did he do? Not only did he seal his own identity of who he was as God, but he brought life to you and me. Thanks be to God. Amen. And this is powerful today. So you have an opportunity today before you leave for Jesus to speak life into you and even if you've been a Christian for a long time maybe you've gotten a little stagnant can I say I'm so glad there's some of you I'm so glad I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm glad you're in the room today I've missed you I love to see you in the house of God I get it we're always going to offer uh, our services online. But I'm telling you, there's nothing like being in the room, folks. Amen? And that's where God wants us. He wants God's people together. That won't cost you anything. So, But you understand what we're saying here. There's, there's power in this, this gospel message. There's power in the risen Christ. And so he validates his own claim, and he, he speaks life into us. But there's something else you need to consider. See, we all have an enemy. Anybody know his name? Satan. Y'all can say it. It's okay to say Satan in church. What's his name? What's his aim for you? Those of you that, that are, come to Grow Church all the time, you ought to know what his aim for you is. He's, he's here to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen. That's bad news. But I'm here to tell you that the moment Jesus said it is finished, and the moment he walked out of the tomb, he sealed the enemy's fate. Amen. And no longer do you have to be bound by that. Do you have to listen to his voice and, and be subject to the, the killing and the stealing and the destroying. No, Jesus came, the second part of that verse, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Amen. This is the promise of God for you. That nail sealed the, his, Satan's demise. I get it. Here's how I look at this, and it just came to me. I see, this is going to be a crazy analogy. I hope it works. I'm taking a, I'm taking a chance here because I didn't plan any of this. So you ever noticed a cat playing around with a mouse? Right? God's allowing Satan to play a little bit right now, isn't he? And some of you, he's been messing with you like crazy. But 
But Jesus, one day, in the not-too-distant future, will say enough is enough. And I'm telling you, folks, the enemy's fate has been sealed for eternity. Amen. Somebody ought to celebrate that today. But listen, this is, listen, this is a fixed fight, folks. This isn't God warring against Satan. Oh, my goodness, I don't know, I don't know. No, let, let, me hear, let me tell you something. The war was finished the moment God created the earth. The gospel is not Jesus' backup plan. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see that coming. No, I'm here to tell you from the foundation of the world, Satan is defeated. So you can walk out of here victorious today because of what Jesus did. He, he died on the cross and he walked out of the tomb. That's the reason you're here today, isn't it? I hope to goodness. I'm meddling a little bit now. Is it Okay. I hope the goodness that you didn't show up today to check off a box. That, oh, oh, I've done my duty for a year. No, 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 no. That's not how this works, folks. Because if that's all you're doing, everything I'm preaching today, it really doesn't mean a whole lot. Because I'm telling you, if you don't have the covering, if you don't have Jesus on your side, you are toast. Amen. So I want to read to you one last verse of Scripture because this will seal it up. This will tie a nice bow. So this is in the future. Revelation chapter 1. You've, you've read this before. I hope you've read the book of Revelation. Look who's talking. This is Jesus talking. What does, he, what does he say? I am the living one. I died. But look, I am alive forever and ever. Come on, somebody. Can you give the Lord praise for that? That he's alive. Now watch what he says at the end of that. He says, and now. Well, actually, he's always, always has. Again, he was, he's been toying with Satan all along, right? But he has the keys of death and the grave. So what is God wanting to do with those keys? He wants to unlock the door to your dead heart. He wants to come in and have a relationship with you. He wants to speak life into you today. But here's what he won't do. He won't force his way on you. Amen? But if you'll say, here's my heart. I give it. He opens the door. It's an invitation, really, right? It's an invitation to relationship. Like Mary, again, like Mary and Martha. That friendship that Christ offers you today is real. And the resurrection power of Jesus isn't just something we celebrate on Sundays. No, it's something that lives inside of you as a believer every single day. I have resurrection power on the inside. Everybody tell, let's tell us, let's say that together. I have, come on, resurrection power on the inside. Do you believe it? If you do, stand to your feet and let's give God some praise this morning. Come on. Thank you for tuning in to our online broadcast here at Grow Church. We hope that you've heard something today that will strengthen and encourage you throughout the week. Make sure you tune in next week for our next broadcast. God bless.